0: Like all good things, they come to those who wait. Finally, we've got another podcast, Phil. Yeah, it's been a couple of months since we did Jimmy Cagney. Welcome to Film Fives, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we're back. As Phil just said, uh, we had um, James Cagney as our theme for the last one. Um, 1930s and 40s and 50s, gangster films uh, prominently uh, featured in that one. And we couldn't have gone further from that, really, could we? We've taken our time, we've listened to plenty of music, watched lots of films from the 1970s, because it's the latest in our series on scores soundtracks, if you want to call it that, of a decade, in this case. It's kind of an
1: annual thing now, is it? Normally it seems to be around, we get to autumn and I'm listening to lots of soundtracks. We started with 50s a
0: couple of years ago, 60s last year, now we're up to 70s. Yeah, absolutely. And, And that's indeed the case. Now... I think at the trail end of the last episode, you're alluding to the notion that John Williams might feature in this. Now, yeah. I, I find it very hard to believe, um, you know, seeing as that was his probably his pinnacle period, even though he's still going strong now. But I think he, he did
1: might- the Indiana Jones film this summer. He's in his 90s. <laughs> still <laughs> going. He's 92 or something. Yeah.
0: I strongly um, expect I won't be alive at that age, let alone um, doing anything as prominent as he's doing there, Um, or indeed at any point in my life doing anything as prominent as this, because he's a master musician, composer, um, sort of foremost figure of his arts, but he's not the only one. We may talk about some others as well. Um, As we, we talk through, yeah, the 70s, basically anything that's kind of registered officially on, you know, the usual documented sites as from that decade um it can include sequels it could have sequels instead of um originals who knows yeah whatever you want to have you can have that in um and it's just a matter of um our criteria Phil we'll get we'll do, we'll do the intro in a minute to the to the to the period but just in terms of criteria I can't remember what we've said in the past ones but for me the scores for me it's got to be the original music um rather than found music or like yeah, reused music. For example, um a sequel that uses the same music as the original probably wouldn't include that because it's basically the same stuff. Um so as an example. And for me it's yeah, it's got to be a prominent feature of the film, whether it's um in terms of motifs, iconic individual bits of music or whether it's the whole score for me it's kind of how important that is within the uh within the whole process um of the filmmaking and how important it is to the finished product um
1: mine's much you, the same although yeah. i ha- do have like where i had um easy rider in the uh in the 60s a sort of selection of songs that went alongside the film
0: i do have a similar thing with it for this okay so apart think- from that it's it's yeah I think I think that's fine, and it's what, as I said, it's what either of us want it to yeah. be. I, I think I, if it is what I think it is, then um, that will be kind of a tribute to the um, to the art of found music, if that's what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, it could be interesting if it is what I think you you're going to go for. Okay, great. I well, um, I, I think it's your turn to go first, Phil. But you right. the entry, first of you, all, what are we drinking? Been, what are you drinking? Oh yeah, that's yeah. Never mind the intros. Let's get on to the intros to the intros. Well, I'm drinking not a beer this time, but a. Le Vu Chateau Jubeur, which is um, a... Um, Amazing, uh, your accent. It's, it's like being in a room Puccine. with a Frenchman. Poussinet Saint-Emilion, as I'm sure the Frenchman... wants
1: 2, It two?
0: is 2. It is a bottle of red wine. I've decided to mix it up, you know. Yeah. Um, what about yourself?
1: i've never tried this one before i'm on a sour i don't mind. i can drink one sour and then and like it and then i can't drink any more sours after that but i do like a sour so this is vault city brewery and the triple fruited mango Mm. modern sour beer
0: Nice. and it's very pleasant yeah i do like a sour it looks like an orange juice i was wondering for a minute it does
1: it (laughs) does but it's, it's um, very nice yeah. I like a say
0: as you said but, you can't have many but you can have one or two and just enjoy. exactly it take it slow as well so you don't need to break too early for the toilet on this podcast as well
1: <laughs> right so <laughs> 70s movie scores yeah so 70s was the kind of year it all kind of changed really in cinema in terms of you had the young enfant terrible uh coming along um you had younger filmmakers taking more risks and what what could be shown, what was allowed to be shown on screen. And I think the, the scores reflected this. There was the, um, for good and for bad, the introduction of the synthesizer, which we hadn't really had that much before. We also, as we sort of mentioned briefly, it's when we sort of get more kind of collections of songs for soundtracks. Um, it's also the year that kind of really gave birth to the blockbuster. So for the first time ever, you had... The score available. You had the merchandising. You had the sequels. You had everything else. Hmm. And it so was very, very different from kind of what had come before. I think in terms of sort of seismic change in cinema. I think that from the 60s to the 70s is one of the biggest.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the mid 70s onwards, the concept of the blockbuster was born, uh, which was this. Yeah, as you said, all those things, all those component parts, and. Um, films were become became the event. So you had, um, I think, you Jaws, had the summer event
1: movies, didn't you? and the-
0: yeah, and Jaws started it off. You yeah. then went on to off the scale with Star Wars, obviously, and um, yeah. films like that, which uh, which had that blockbuster feel to them. And um, yeah, it became it became part of it. And the music soundtracks, I think, became. An interesting item in its own right i I hadn't done research on that, but I, from what i remember, I think um that's the period where people started to buy yes yeah, definitely in much greater numbers it wasn't it was a niche thing before now it was becoming popular with the general yeah. public yeah and yeah, and it was yeah, it was a very interesting era, totally changing i think we're we're seeing the landscape change, aren't we in music terms as we move into this decade completely um definitely some fantastic composers out there. Um, I think when it comes to my my top five, um, I'm not sure I can fully represent it, whatever I picked, because I had to go no. to the five best, I thought, and I, I'm not sure that gives justice to, to, to many of the good composers out there, but I've, I've got um, maybe about three, possibly, that are in this top five. We'll see. We'll see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, as usual, um, much like the last musical scores, I do like an epic score, so expect quite a lot of epic scores in this yeah fair enough yeah and i and i'm not a big fan of jazz or uh,
0: anything like that so don't expect very much of that
1: so no <laughs> down
0: in your top five then no yeah, yeah. the sassy brass of um of, of that mid-70s film no 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 yeah. it, it didn't make my five either but actually that in fact part of the reason for that was that there's not a great deal of music to it it's mainly the same two or three bits um yeah the currents but um I think, yeah, that's actually a good, very good soundtrack, but nowhere near my five in the end. Um, but never mind about that. We've kept, we'll get on to my, my number five a little bit later, because, Phil it's your turn to start. So if you haven't any more to say on the introduction front, and we're now to no.
1: Straight you- in with my number five, a soundtrack that took a massive three days to compose and record, with the main theme being written in an hour. It is John Carpenter, it's Halloween. Oh yes, there yeah. you go. Uh, in case you don't know, uh, the uh, fifteen years after murdering his sister on Halloween night, nineteen sixty-three, Michael Myers escapes from a mental hospital and returns to the small town of Haddonfield, Illinois, to kill again. The first, it was the sort of first horror film, sort of well, not really haunted house, but it was the it was kind of really gave birth to the slasher genre. Um, and it was the first, I think John Carpenter's kind of said that in previous sort of scary horror films, once you get home, you're kind of safe from what's outside, whereas he thought if you can make the home scary, then you're not safe from anything Then it's going to be a very, very scary film indeed, on which he did very well. But we're talking about The School, Uh, obviously written by John Carpenter himself. Um, After test screening, he was told the film wasn't scary enough, and believe it or not, and he wanted to <laughs> kind of write a write a kind of score to kind of set the uh, set, set the uh, the kind of the right tempo. Um, I think he was inspired by the Exorcist soundtrack with uh, Tubular Bells by Michael Field. Um, yes. There's also an Italian prog rock band called Goblin who did the Suspiria score around about the same time. I think that was that was all in his kind of mindset when he went in, came up with this sort of piano melody, uh, which just fit the. The visuals absolutely perfectly. As soon as you hear it, you know, the, the, the kind of staccato little melody, um, it immediately, you just think, oh, Halloween, and you immediately, the hair stands up on your back in there and you start thinking about Michael Mars, if you're as sad, and it's into yeah. horror films, as I am anyway. So no, no traditional symphonic symphony. It's a piano melody. It's played in 10-8 times, so it's a little bit more sort of unbalanced compared to your normal sort of 4-4 orchestral sound. Um, carpenter once said that he can play just about any keyboard but he can't read or write a note of music so in the end credits it comes up as the uh, the the uh, music as comes up as the bowling green philharmonic orchestra which was basically john carpenter on his own (laughs) (laughs) legends but i i I love it it's instantly recognizable um it's, it's got different sort of Different slightly different pieces of music, it's for the main theme. They're kind of simpler arrangements that give you a kind of sense of normality, uh, which kind of lulls the audience into a kind of a safe, sort of sense of safety. And then obviously it, when it all kicks off, the music comes in there. It's this careful, incessant staccato melody and without pause. It, it, it just doesn't stop. And it kind of reflects Michael Myers' Hmm. Chasing people around, <laughs> oh, I love it! It's yeah. it's one of those, you know. I don't, I can, I can play about three or four pieces. I'm, a, I'm a, I can play any stringed instrument. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a guitar player. I can go at any of the others. Pianos and keyboards, I'm not very good. I can play three or four pieces of music. This is one of them. Chopsticks <laughs> the If definitely. I sit down at a piano, nine times out of ten, it's not East like most people play. <laughs> it's
0: it's Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> chopsticks <laughs> that as well yeah 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 but yeah i mean um first i can say it didn't make my five but it was in it was in the very close shortlist uh just missing out um yeah it's an iconic piece of music it's it, there's, there's a general theme it's a small a fairly small amount of mu- original music isn't it i think yeah with soundtracks i think with with, with original scores you've got three elements you've got as you said, a full orchestra type score, which might be one thing, and I might have considered that in, in one or two of yeah. these coming up. You've got what I would call um, the motif kind of theme music, yeah. which is um, well, actually, sorry, the theme music, which is this, yeah. and then you get um, motifs in things like Psycho. We talked about yeah, with the individual characters have their own leap motif, or and and Jaws, of course, which we may talk yeah. about, later, which um, we we will be talking with. about, yeah. Yeah, the shark, the shark has got a his own theme. It, it's, yeah, I'm assuming it's a he. Um, um, it's um, yeah, it's got its own motif. It's very few notes, very few bars, but it it create it, it signifies what's what we're talking about. We're talking about that shark that's under the water somewhere. With Halloween, I think it's kind of between the two. It's between the motif and the theme, isn't it? Because you've got both. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's sort of referencing. you know he's around, isn't he? Um. And it's, but I, it's not often you get a director that does the music and kind
1: of can sort of sculpt and the 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 sound of the music to the visual that yeah. he's also created, yeah, I mean, yeah and it works it's real, so well.
0: He's a real auteur. We, maybe, we might talk about Carpenter sometime down the line. I know you've got a friend who wanted to come on as a special guest yeah. eventually in the future, and he wanted to cover that subject. Yes. Uh, that will depend on when, if and when he was able to come on. But mm. so, Uh, more on that later but um yeah i think it straddles that whole thing of motif and theme and the theme is so distinctive so recognizable i think there are probably people that haven't seen the film that will know the music oh definitely possibly that know what the music is from as well without having seen the film yeah Um, and again we've mentioned this before feel free at any point here listening to this podcast pause because we haven't got any rights to the music of course pause Check out Spotify or other music-related devices, and by all means, listen to a bit of the music or all of it, and then come back on. And you'll, want to, you'll want to watch the film once you start listening to it. Trust me. Exactly. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Watch the film as well if you want. Could be a very long-winded yeah. podcast in that sense, in terms of. Um, Don't starting. worry
1: too much with the sequels, but the
0: original one. Yeah. yeah. But it is it is iconic. It is a classic and uh, very synthy, and it's yeah, it's it's a signature tune which. As you said, it's unusual for directors to to have that much authorship over yeah. a film. They yeah, they might write, direct, maybe produce, maybe even edit, but composing the music as all well. All of I which think, he did as well. Yeah. Yeah, he did all that as well. But it is that's unusual. It's um, yeah. the case here, and it's it's a classic. Yeah, it was on my shortlist. It just missed out, but I think it's worthy yeah. of a bunch in your five film. Thank you. Excellent. Shall I go on with my number five? Yeah, then? number
1: five. I'm cu- I'm curious to see how many. Uh, we have the same. I'm going. I'm expecting three, of the mm. same. That's yeah. my, my guess.
0: You're probably right. There or thereabouts. Well, my my. I uh, my top four, with a slight bit of debating in the order. Um, was pretty much nailed on for me. Number five was the only one I was really struggling with. Um, I mentioned Halloween. That's one of the ones I was thinking about. I was also contemplating Amarcord, which is a Fellini film with some great original. I don't know that Italian- one italian theme music by Nino Rotta, who did The Godfather scores more yeah. famously, but loads of Fellini, loads of other films as well. He's probably just about the second most prolific composer after uh, Ennio Morricone from that part of the world. Um, he came very close as well because it really gives the flavour of the film. That missed out, though. Um, one or two other things missed out. I kind of was interested in Saturday Night Fever from the point of view that it was – it's not – You love the Bee Gees. It's not the scored music, but, yeah, it's original songs that are probably far more famous than the Halloween theme even, aren't they? And so Yeah. Just, if you look at it from that point of view. Oh, mind. no, on
1: my short list, which we'll go through at the end, yeah, I had a, a few a few soundtracks like that. Yeah. yeah.
0: And just just one more word on that one. I mean, all of the music, by all accounts, according to John Travolta, was, um, was, was made after the film was made. So he's not actually dancing to the Bee Gees. Oh, really? Incredible. According to Travolta, I, I I don't know if that's true or not, but he said we, he was dancing to Boss Skaggs and I can't remember the name of the other muse, music they were originally going to use. And then they thought, oh, about, okay. we're not sure about this. They've got a few disco things in the background, but we need some kind of signature stuff. Yeah. And they asked the Bee Gees to do it and they composed it as some chateau in France, I think it was, They, despite being English, <laughs> in France. Um, and they apparently they knocked up all of the music over a weekend which That's is pretty incredible, considering yeah, how It's, it's so Yeah, Gees, they're iconic tunes. Yeah, I mean, you might not like the BGS, you might not like. But Disney, yeah, they they could write a pop song. Iconic, and it's quite an edgy film. It's got oh it's yeah, racism. It's got homophobia. It's got this c word being used on women quite regularly as part of a depiction of that world. Yeah, and you've also got um, yeah, pretty edgy story behind the scenes. Yeah, actually. yeah, definitely. It's actually, a very good film. It's anyway, not Greece. Yeah. It's not Greece, definitely not, which, of course, is another 70s film, which didn't make, make the shortlist. Um, yeah, funnily enough, it did either. make mine <laughs> either. Yeah. Honourable mention to that, because I think that, that when you think about that, the music is actually just song. There yeah. is David Shire, who also scored uh, The Conversation, which is a very limited and un- understated score. He, he I know we, we talked about that off-air. Yeah. A while ago and um yeah i I've not heard of him at all and when I looked into this, he's done the the scoring for this film for Saturday night Fever, which is um kind of just incidental kind of uh, just just um refrains on the tunes essentially yeah. not done much work at all on it as such, but it's really about the songs and that that was kind of very close to consideration but in the end very long windedly cut the long story even longer um my number five. Is and it, this is one which probably most is about uh, the epic scale of the score itself. It's close encounters of the third kind, uh, which is yeah. The you immediately movie.
1: hear that. <laughs> doo, 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 doo.
0: Yep. Again, like yeah. Halloween, Jaws, Psycho, it's that that tune. You'll know that if you've if you've ever heard anyone talk about the film. If you've heard something on the radio. If you've seen the film, you'll know straight away. That's as you said. Do 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 do. And I listened to the score. I didn't actually watch the film because I, I remember it quite well anyway from number of viewings as a kid. It's not one of my favourite films. It's probably no. not one of my favourite Spielberg films. But actually, the score, I listened back to it in its entirety because I thought, this is bloody brilliant. It's yeah, a John, Mr., Mr. John Williams. First yeah, mentioned. Mr. John Williams, um, who may get mentioned again. Uh he He's essentially created a magnum opus. It's a proper full yeah. of- orchestral piece all of the all of the um you know all of the um bits and pieces you'd imagine from a full orchestra loads and loads of completely different bits of scoring all melds together really well um the interesting thing is that that theme of the alien and his kind of their communicative kind of note-based you know um, interaction with humans on earth um that bit comes in at least on the soundtrack it comes in very late into the into yeah, almost like the film, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. So I was listening to all this other music, knowing that was coming somewhere down the line, and thinking, wow, this is actually really good. I, I could just listen to this on its yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. And it does inform the narrative. It does drive the story along from my memory of how it kind of, you know, fitted together. Um, I think a really well put together um, piece of work on a, on an incredible scale. Um, the film itself, of course, 1977. It's a sci-fi drama film written and directed by Scott... Richard Dreyfuss
1: uh, uh, and his mashed potato.
0: Yeah, Richard Dreyfuss's mashed potatoes and his mountains on a tabletop. Let's yeah. not talk about that anymore. Um, other than to say that um, it's it's a good fun film, it's family entertainment, but it's also kind of ahead of its time, isn't it? It's one of those films that push... The well, side it's, side an- it's another
1: blockbuster, isn't it?
0: Yeah, very much so. Um, and it as I uh, said, so the music was composed, conducted and produced by John Williams. He previously worked on Spielberg's Jaws um he'd written more than 300 examples of iconic five tone motifs talking about this musical motif yeah. do, do 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 um to be used by scientists to communicate with a visiting spaceship as a mathematical language really? wow i know uh, before i before not know that chose the one incorporated into the film's um you yeah, know the final the final cut um and he he says that uh, Spielberg called Williams work when you wish upon a star, meets science fiction. Um, and um, also it briefly in- included the signature melody into the score at um, Spielberg's um, request just before Ron, uh, sorry, Roy Neary turns to board the mothership. The synthesizer playing the five notes is an ARP 2500, whatever that is. Vice President of Engineering at ARP Instruments, Philip Dodds, this is on Wikipedia, by the way, he yeah. said, uh, was sent to install the unit on the film set and was subsequently cast as Jean-Claude, the musician who plays the sequence on the huge synthesizer in an attempt to communicate with the extraterrestrial mothership. And Spielberg initially included Cliff Edwards' original When You Wish Upon a Star from Pinocchio, Pinocchio, Yeah, in the closing credits but after a dallas preview where several members of the audience audibly snickered at the inclusion the song was dropped and replaced with williams orchestral version thank god they did there yeah, go with so many things in the film world you think god it could have been this ronald reagan could have been in casablanca you know yeah thank god for, for him not being in that <laughs> but anyway yeah i think a masterful work from a musical point of view as I said, not probably not my favourite film, but it's um,
1: from a musical... It's a good film. It's a solid 7, 8 out of 10 film, yeah, but compared to some of the other things he's done. So in the previous couple of podcasts, I've done a little sort of rundown or, or, of the kind of main composer of that decade. So I, I've got some notes here on Mr John Williams. I thought it was quite, quite interesting to go over. So John Towner Williams was born in New York in 1932. Uh, his father was a jazz drummer and percussionist. In yep. the late 40s, his family moved to Los Angeles and he attended, a, attended the University of California, where he studied composition and he privately um, was tutored by an Italian composer. In 1951, in his late teens, he joined the, the Air Force, where he played piano and brass and conducted and arranged music for the U.S. Air Force Band. Following that, he moved back to New York, where he in, Entered the uh, Juilliard School, the famous musical school, um, where, where he studied piano. He was all set to become a concert pianist, but after listening to his contemporaries, he switched switched over to composition, whilst also moonlighting as a jazz pianist on the side. <laughs> after Juilliard, he moved back to Los Angeles and began work as an orchestrator at film studios, working with the likes of Bernard Herrmann, Franz Waxman, and Alfred Newman. Uh, he was uh, also a studio pianist and session musician, performing on scores by Jerry Goldsmith and Henry Mancini and the Bernsteins. Late 50s, early 60s, he was composing for adverts and TV shows. He got his first Academy Award nomination in 1967 for Valley of the Dolls, believe it or not. Um, And then he was also nominated a couple of years later for Goodbye Mr. Chips. He won his first Oscar in 1971, his an adaptation of uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. Um, his prominence grew in the early 70s on the disaster films of that time. So he did the Poseidon Adventure and Towering of Inferno. In 1974, a young director, Steven Spielberg, approached him to compose the music for his Feature directorial debut. I know he did Jewel before, but that was a TV movie. Yeah. Uh, feature directorial debut: The Sugarland Express, a film I still never actually seen. Actually, no, I've um, not sure. actually. <laughs> uh, they teamed up again a year later for Spielberg's next film, Jaws. Um, around about the same time, he also scored the 1976 Alfred Hitchcock film Family Plot, uh, and Richard Donner's Superman. Uh, and then the rest, as they say, is history. So I've made a note. Can you, can you guess how many times John Williams and Spielberg have worked on a film together?
0: Oh, it's got to be a hell of a lot. Um, a I think it's going to be something mad like 20 to 25. 23. 29. 29. Wow, that's a lot. films there's,
1: they've worked on together.
0: There's a lot of collaboration through the years, and there might be some that have got even more that were just not not so much on, you know, they're more under the radar. But for, for probably one of, well, the, probably the most foremost film composer in terms of fame and yeah. um, the certainly the most famous film director, maybe aside from Hitchcock, um, you know, certainly nowadays is definitely the most famous um, in, in modern time. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's a lot of collaboration, but it shows the importance of the, the trust, the enjoyment and the thread of working together obviously works. And there's a
1: lot of respect and trust between the two of them, isn't there? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it almost looks Scorsese. It's almost more to do with the editor, isn't it? So yeah. It's Michael Powell's wife. Well, you know, the
1: kind of Alfred Hitchcock was always, not always, but often worked with Bernard Herrmann. Uh-huh. They quite often have their a director have
0: their favourite composer.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That's Ken Loach, it's more about him and the guy that does the writing. Yeah. They're always, you yeah, know, every film, it's the same since whenever they started um working together, you know, and across film, you've got all those collaborations. But yeah, I think director and composer is quite a common one. And, um, You know, amongst those, that's got to be about the most prolific. Um, One footnote on Close Encounters, actually, or a couple of footnotes. um, We're talking about how soundtracks became a thing in their own right, in terms of sales and popularity. Well, the soundtrack album to this film, uh, Close Encounters, was released on, obviously, on vinyl, as it was at the time, Yes, um, with a gatefold sleeve. It had an eight-track tape, an audio cassette as well by Arista Records in 1977. With a total running time of 41 minutes, it was later released on compact disc in 1990. The soundtrack album was a commercial success. It peaked at number 17 on the US Billboard album charts in February of the following year. You have and- to sell a lot of albums to get that high. Exactly. Definitely. I mean, that's how, that's how popular it was. It really was. And it it was certified gold by the RIAA, uh, which I presume is one of the institutes categorizing that, uh, for 500,000 copies shipped. It also peaked at number 40 in the UK album charts, uh, which is interesting as well for an American film. Um, There's one other footnote, which is that although it was not included in the original soundtrack album, a seven inch single of the Disco Treatment of the yeah motif titled from close Encounters. There's, there's, yeah there's, there's quite a often a disco treatment of songs <laughs> around about that time wasn't there yeah yeah i think there was a disco
1: off. treatment of star wars when that came yeah. out as well brilliant yeah and
0: in fact um in, it was all about saturday night fever earlier They had a yeah um, i can't remember the, the piece of music but there's a classical piece of music that's been discoized i think prior to the yeah. film used in the film and uh, again you think my god disco kind of like it's pretty much bordering on music when they do that, to be honest. Yeah. Never mind. But, yeah, I mean, it, um, it was included as the al- on the album as a free bonus item, that disco version of the motifed um, music. Um, and despite being a giveaway, Billboard charts ruled that at the time allowed the single itself to chart, and it peaked at number 13 on the US Billboard Hot 100 in March 1978. Anyway, that's uh, neither here nor there. Never mind about that. It's, it's yeah. about the overall score and and i think the motif is brilliant it is only a small part of it it really is a fantastic piece of work the film is not probably the top five films of the 70s by a very long chalk for me but the music is up there yeah it's great Yeah, no, definitely right over to you phil number four
1: so very different for me number four it's not a specific score it's a collection of songs Uh, back to 1973 i've gone for american graffiti
0: Ah, right. There were two. two. Uh, there's only one of these, I presume, in your five, is that? Yes. Yeah, it was going to be a, like a 50-50. I didn't know if you were going with Mean Streets. Um, but if you weren't, it was going to be American Graffiti. Yes. Oh. I love American Graffiti. It's such an underrated film. Um, yeah, great film with
1: Richard Dreyfuss as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, if you don't know, it, it's a group of teenagers in California. Um, spending one final night after their 1962 high school graduation cruising the strip with their buddies before all heading off to different places and college etc etc one last night of fun the soundtrack that goes along it is a rock and roll soundtrack so it's all the music of the late 50s early 60s and it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant um Written, co-written and, di- and directed by George Lucas, um, you don't see any of Star Wars, Star Wars so much in this. It was very different to what he did afterwards, but it's it's a great film um, and a fantastic choice of music. He obviously has a real, real love and passion for that kind of period's music. I think this this whole film, I imagine, was a labour of love and very probably semi-autobiographical. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the choice of the music here is kind of crucial to each scene. And there's a lot of different sort of rock and roll classics coming in. Um, it's what they, I think I don't know if I can pronounce it properly. I think it's what they call diegetic. Diegetic. Diegetic, Just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, diegetic. The music where the characters themselves can hear it and yeah. it's kind of integral to the, into the
0: action. That's, yeah, it's you've got diegetic or non-diegetic. And this is, yeah, exactly. It's within the film world, yeah
1: yeah so lucas um he obviously wanted to get all of his favorite rock and roll tunes in the film and he thought well we've only got a limited budget in order to be able to do this so he they went out to all of the uh, all of the uh, all of the uh, publishers and sort of said right this is how much we're paying to use the, your music in our film there's no negotiation it's that or we don't use it and Lucas was really worried because he put his sort of first choices in, and he also had to have second and third choices in case he got turned down. In the end, every studio turned around and said yes, apart from RCA. So uh, Mr. Elvis Presley is conspicuous by his absence on this. <laughs> he he's not on here, and any, no other RCA artists are. But all but I think every other uh, publisher kind of signed up to it. So he he got pretty much everything that he wanted, thankfully. Um, the licensing costs left no money left for any really, normal film score. So Lucas used the absence of music and sort of just use sound effects and yeah, to kind of create the drama along with, along with the tunes in there. So the soundtrack itself, the 41 original hits, uh, was released using the songs from the movie. It went triple platinum in the US, it peaked at number 10 on the Billboard album. Charts, um, and then after that, further albums were released called More American Graffiti and American Graffiti Volume Three, which didn't include any of the music from the film, but obviously it was a kind of compilation of music from that time that people were absolutely loved. Yeah, uh, and yeah, um, but going back to the original, it's great. It's got G by the Crows, Louis, Louis by Frank Cadillac and the Continental Kids. Um, it's got Chuck Berry. It's got the Beach Boys. It's also got Harrison Ford singing a cappella. Uh, well, singing Some Enchanted Evening himself. (laughs) It's got loads of stuff on it. and It's got uh, Wolfman Jack, the DJ, who's got a part in the film. I think he's on some of the tracks as well.
0: Yeah, I think also, uh, I think there's another part of American cinema, which is obviously a hugely prominent part of world cinema, um, that there's lots of different signatures to American cinema that we could talk about, loads and loads. And I think one of them is about the groups of... Uh, of young people particularly because it's a, a male world that cinema was it tends to be young guys rather than young girls yeah. But anything from adolescents and stand by me to to people like these characters in american graffiti groups of friends together experiencing americana experiencing yeah. well, rites of passage and all the rest of it you know you might get a crossover as well things like the breakfast club but i think this is a typical example of it isn't it it's, it's what i would call jukebox cinema yeah. as well because it's it's found music, as they now call it, diegetic music, as you've said as yeah, well. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's celebrating the recent past of America um, in terms of it's a film that's um, a period piece because it's going back a bit in time. But also it's kind of probably even those characters at the time are referencing slightly bef- before their own time as well. Yeah. And I think it's um, it's very much about the American psyche, isn't it, this? Uh, very yeah. much so. Very American music, as you said, the rock and roll stuff. Some great tunes on there, oh, and definitely. in a way, it also follows another tradition of America, which is the cinematic tradition of found music. You get it from everything from uh, the other film that I thought you might be picking, which is Mean Streets, uh, which where Scorsese, uh, well, all the way through his career, has um, has used found music, diegetic music. Um, into a classic classic music not always american but quite often american music in his films um mean streets is very prominent um loads of other films like goodfellas and casino the same um baby a driver which we talked about on the highest step yeah, yeah. again very much the same there's a tradition of it isn't there and i no, think no, definitely. Be, it's definitely probably i don't know how early into the equation it goes but it's got to be one of the earlier examples of it actually in terms of yeah um, you know, just just people embracing music of the time or the previous recent. Yeah, I mean,
1: you, you look now at the likes of Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino, they'll go out and put or curate their from their collection their favourite tunes to get exactly the yeah. right pieces of music for a film. Um, this is George Lucas doing it 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's always As a... I understand it, I think George, he was struggling to raise the financing for this film, so I think he ended up having to put quite a lot of his own money into it, which meant he got all the profits, which was a lot, which yeah. meant we got Star Wars. So without this film, there would be no Star Wars. So I mean,
0: Again, he did quite well out of that. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, it was a quite popular film. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this it's cracking film, really good. If you haven't seen it, I'd recommend i recommend it. Yeah,
1: I, I hadn't watched it for years, so I watched it again. And it's like, yeah, quite how much fun this is.
0: Yeah, it really is. It, it keeps a... I mean, we're talking about music mainly here, but just in general about the film, it keeps a, a really good you, pace those kind of those
1: kind of kind of kind of like coming of age films. If you know, um, is it, they, I think it's Richard Linklater, Days and
0: Confused. It's a similar
1: yeah. sort of film film to that. Like yeah. It is, yeah, yeah, no it, it kind of captures thing. that kind of all happens in one night. Everybody's out. This is what, yeah, this is what's going to happen. No one's going home till the sun comes out. Let's see what what happens. You know.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, the rock and roll era definitely was a big thing for so many films, particularly actually a lot in the uh, 80s as well. There's loads of films harking back to that previous time. Um, well, Stand By Me was one example, but there's there's lots of other films that kind yeah. of tap back to that recent past. They're very conscious of their more kind of modern era history, America, in terms yeah. of culture. It's got only a more modern era. So I think they very much cling to the Western, which we talked about before. And music is massively important to the American culture, probably more than any other country, because they've had to define themselves by that more. Yeah. All the stuff that went before popular music, as was the case in Europe and other places like that. But yeah, it's it's a great film. Really good film. Recommend it. Great film. Brilliant soundtrack. I love a bit of rock and roll, old-school rock and roll. Yeah, exactly. yeah, A bit of double bass. And
1: When you listen to it, you think, oh, you look at the list of songs and the artists, I think I've never heard of any of them, and then you play it and you know every single track, or or if not, at
0: least 90% of them. It's brilliant. It's like watching Casablanca. You go, hang on, I know these lines. I've never seen them. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, um, yeah, any, anything else on that? No,
1: back to you to uh, for number four. We're rattling along tonight. Mm-hmm for once
0: we are yeah we we are rattling along so um, my next one and this was very difficult this was the other quandary was about which one was number four and which one was number three and i've changed the order around quite a few times i'm just creating a bit of drama here by talking this out (laughs) in the end and you're probably going to scowl at me when i when i say this is number four i've gone for john williams again i've gone for jaws fantastic what, what, have you got it in your five? Um, I've got it as my number three, actually. So, ah, okay, so okay. so it's it's my next one. So yeah, well, a let, let me Fantastic say
1: piece of music. Yeah.
0: Guess who we're talking about here? We're talking about Steven Spielberg and John Williams. Williams, yeah. Yeah. yay! Um it's, it's Peter Benchley and Carl Gottlieb did the, uh, wrote it based on a Benchley story. Roy yeah. Scheider, of course, and you, one of your favourite actors, Robert Shaw. Uh, I love you know, Robert Shaw, yeah. And Richard Dreyfus again. Actually, there's a bit of a weird theme going on here, isn't there? Three out of three. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Although Richard Dreyfus disappeared a bit in the kind of 80s, really. He I mean, these are probably, I'd say... The probably last probably. thing I saw him on was Celebrity Bake Off, so... God, God, really? <laughs> How did he
0: do? Did he? Burn that was a-, a few years ago. He was all right. I think he's done quite a lot of stage work. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I mean, yeah, it, 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 this was probably his peak, wasn't it? I mean, that's the thing: yeah. three films in a row where he was massively popular. He was, he was in vogue, and um, I think he was a bit of a hard case, wasn't he? Kind of, like, I think he crashed and burned a bit, really. But anyway, yeah, I mean, Jaws, just the, the basic concept, of course. Hot summer amity island um i had to google it to see where it is it is a real place um oh, you've got okay. you yeah you've got a sheriff who's quite new to the island martin brody played by roy he shire who's moved there with his family and unfortunately this location which relies very heavily on its summer trade on the beach is plagued by a shark attack the yeah. shark attack of modern history if yes. ever there was one and the film we're going to details about the film beyond how it pertains to music obviously we'll probably talk about that at some other point yeah. but other than to say it's a great film it's all about it's tension it, it all as up.
1: you said earlier it's the first modern blockbuster isn't it
0: it is yeah it, it, and it launched the summer blockbuster and this summers the have film. never been the same ever since yeah. yeah this was that film and it's appropriate it's a film set in summer and about summer actually i suppose in that sense um i mean it's 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 tightly written it's got a lot of characteristics related to Jewel, which you mentioned earlier, his very first feature length film uh, that was made for TV um, in terms of that tense, tenseness, tightness, yeah, fairly low budget um, and how it's set out and how the, how the story and the action plays out is very good. Um, we won't say any more about it on the film side, but of course what happens right from the beginning is you've got a scene where there's uh, some drunken party goers on the beach side, Right at the beginning of summer, as a girl goes, she's going to it's go It's basically
1: swimming. like an episode of Casualty. You see <laughs> somebody doing something really stupid at the beginning. And you think, I wonder what's going to happen to them.
0: <laughs> as if you need to think, terrible what <laughs> happens to them. Yeah, she's going to go swimming. swimming.
1: Yeah, okay. Maybe
0: they'll just get home safely and have a glass of wine, as I'm doing now. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, the girl goes skinny dipping. She's got a slightly drunker boy- boyfriend or potential yeah. partner.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, knocking around with her um he he gets caught behind so she goes on ahead swimming she's left alone he hasn't made it onto the beach he's passed out she goes swimming and you get this tense very quiet beautifully shot scene where you know there's some some menace and then sooner or later in come these strains these very few bars that just signify again signature of a character signature of a villain uh, an animal villain and um The most one of the most iconic bits of music in film history. Oh, it is. If it it was just down to iconic bits of music history, um, this would be in the top two because it's just it is arguable
1: that that two note refrain gave an entire generation a fear of sharks,
0: yeah, and (laughs) still enduring to this day. Of course, again, we can't play the music, but you all know it and it builds up the intensity builds up there's a bit of um, orchestral background as it goes into a kind of like a A swimming motion, sort of like as if the shark's building up speed. The music, the way the music works in this, is great. It's identifying the character, but it's also it's projecting and and developing the the menace and the sense of um, the space, the unknown space. You know, there's a shark down there somewhere. Not in every shot, but in some of them. So when you
1: hear the music, you know it's the shark. So it's it's this sort of the main theme, which obviously the one we're alluding to, is this sort of simple alternating pattern of two notes. Um, I mean, it is a classic piece of suspense music, and it is synonymous with approaching danger. You know, yeah. you hit, people will start singing that if they think something of scary is going to happen. But yeah. what what also has done really really well is that every time you know the sharks there, you yeah. hear they, they couldn't do too many shots of the shark because they made a mechanical one and it looked rubbish apparently. Yeah. So. It would be CGI now or whatever, but back in the mid seventies, they made this thirty foot long rubber shark, and it just looked rubbed absolutely terrible. So you don't really see it very much because it looks so bad. Mm. So all the menace doesn't come from the visual; it comes from the, from yeah. the music, and it's brilliantly well done. Yeah. But what was also really really well done is that every time you see the shark, you hear the music. So you you just in the back of your mind, as soon as you hear the music, you know oh the shark's there, and then right at the end.
0: Shot comes without the out the music, it scares the absolute hell out of you. Yeah, really, it, don't. and the music is a masterpiece. It's um, it's up there with the violins and Psycho, definitely for the shower scene. Yeah, uh, it informs the story. It's it, it tell, tells you very clearly where you are with this film. It it gives you that sense of menace and. It's great. It's so simple, and I don't think they wanted to use it. It
1: is. Well, apparently, when um,
0: yeah. John Williams played it to Steven Spielberg, he laughed and went, really? Yeah. And he, yeah. And he, Again, you know, it's another me. one of those what-if things, isn't it? We could have missed out on this forever.
1: Williams described the theme as grinding away at you, just as Shark would do, instinctual, relentless, and unstoppable. But its so dead It's also, also played, on, normally a, a kind of piece like this would be played on the French horn, but they played it on a tuba, to make it kind of sound more threatening and more menacing, yeah, and it just, yeah. oh, it works so well. Absolutely, there's various interpretation, inter- interpretations. Interpretations of the theme. So someone saying some, somewhat sort of someone said that it kind of, it's the shark's heartbeat. Other people said it's the human respiration.
0: Um, Carl, oh, yeah,
1: it's, whatever it is, it works yeah. incredibly well.
0: I think anything that's that's really really good in film is open to debate, isn't it? And the conversations and you talk about it, you either wax lyrical yeah. about it because it's great, or you or there's a debate about oh, what does this really mean? And multi-layers, multi layers, multi multi meanings potentially. Um, 1975 film, of course. Um, the two note thing, by the way, it's called an ostinato, apparently. Um okay. So yeah, there we go. That's a bit of information. 20th Century Fox, of course, and Universal released it um in terms of again going back to the popularity of soundtracks it was released uh, on lp by mca who were the, the record label involved in in 1975 um that one came out on cd in 1992 interestingly two oh, years on okay. oh, encounters i don't know why that would be less kind of in a rush to yeah, get out yeah. oh, that's a bit weird in 2000 Uh, Two versions of the score were released um, to coincide with the film's 25th anniversary, one in a re-recording of the entire Jaws score by the Royal Scottish National Orchestra conducted by Joel McNeely, and another by Decca Universal, featuring the entire 51 minutes of the original score. The score was reissued again in 2015 through Intrada Records, containing the full film score, along with alternative... Because this is one of
1: those films that they've done re-release at cinema with an actual live orchestra playing, isn't it, I think?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, indeed. And it's, uh, it's such an important part of the film... More it than, is Steven Spielberg said like it, that without it, like it the
1: film would only have been half successful and you can't really hmm. argue
0: with that and that's why I, I really toiled about whether this was going to be number and, 4 or 3 yeah if, if what you just said was uh, was the deciding factor it could could go to number 3 but i just wasn't sure uh with that because i think even more than psycho i think that this motif in this film is just so synonymous. Yeah. Without without the, without the strings on on Psycho, you've probably still got a good film. Without the music in this, I'm not quite sure you do. Even though it's a very good film, and you've got the famous pulled focus shot on yeah. the beach and some other stuff we could talk about, which was uh, a copy of um, Vertigo. Uh, was it Vertigo? Yeah, Vertigo. I think. Where there's um, you know, or the uh,
1: Indianapolis speech.
0: Yeah, you zoom in and, and pull the focus out, or vice versa. Yeah kind of thing. But it um it's got some some great merits, but I think it it it's more important in this film than any other film.
1: Yeah, so the American Film Institute, they they rank this as say as the sixth greatest film score ever. She might might be right. Pretty praise.
0: Yeah. Well, that's feasible and it
1: really did uh kind of kickstart john williams career after this he never had to worry about his next gig ever again he yeah. was in very very high demand
0: the only other thing for me to say about this is that um it is mainly about that motif and that that those few notes there isn't a huge amount of scoring yeah. the orchestration in the, in the wider scale because that's just not what this film is about and that's fair enough but I think that's why that's one of the reasons why I thought it's okay, quite so high. High. yeah, okay, sitting at number four. Um, but just purely for the the exact theme itself, it could be number one. And we are both back in the room, aren't we, Phil?
1: Yeah, you, I'm so- living life dangerously. So when the I said I can only ever have one sour, I enjoyed that first one by that brewery so much. I've gone for another sour from the same brewery. So I'm now on the Vault City Modern Sour beer. I'm on the Raspberry Strawberry Coconut Ripple. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at it in a glass, it looks pretty revolting, but it tastes
0: great. It basically looks like the um, the orange juice uh, triple mango thing you had. It's earlier. a grapefruit juice, what it looks like, I think, but a bit cloudier. But they've mixed in some egg yolk and um, <laughs> possibly a bit of general mud. Yeah, it's quite right? cloudy yeah
1: but it, it's very nice i've never heard of that brewery before i'm, okay. I'm impressed well, okay. i would investigate
0: I, I, lo- I love discovering breweries it's one of my favorites and if there's any brewery um employees or or employers who are listening that want to uh to have um sponsorship um involvement feel free yeah to yeah yeah we're we're
1: we're want... we are easily purchased
0: yeah we're, we're we're easy to buy yeah easier to buy than the british government there we go and that's that's <laughs> right okay on oh, Onwards and downwards or upwards, whichever way you want to talk so, about. So yes. So, so just my, to summarise. So you started. My number five num- was Halloween. You have to think about that for a minute, didn't you? <laughs> my number five was Close Encounters. My number four was American Graffiti. My number four was uh was Jaws, which was your number. My three. number three was Jaws, so back to you for number three. Yeah, I mean that's like that um, that thing where you try and uh, recover a tennis shot and then whack straight back at you. Says Phil, you know, back to you straight away. So
1: my next two films I've got on my list, I'm pretty sure that you've got.
0: I'll be surprised if you haven't. We shall see. Okay, we we shall see. The only one, I mean, the the top two are definitely ones that you've predicted in my top five. Yeah. The only possible doubt is about this one, which is my number number three. So number three, I have gone for a different uh, director and a different composer uh, just to keep things fresh, you know. I've gone for the absolutely fantastic Martin Scorsese. I knew Um, he had to be in there somewhere. He had to be in there somewhere, didn't he? And it is Bernard Herrmann as well we're talking about here. It's Taxi Driver from 1976. I think that's right, isn't it? 1976? Yeah. Um, An absolutely phenomenal film. Again, we'll get into that another time in terms of the finer details of that film. It's a film about a guy who has come back from the war, it's vietnam isn't it or something like that i can't remember it's been a while yeah. since i've seen the film um and he uh he's disenfranchised he eventually just scrapes his way into a job with a, a new york cab firm and but he's not psychologically comfortable he's not psychologically right and he is descending into into yeah. heart, basically with his psychosis While he watches all of the dirt and the scum of the streets, as it's
1: you're quoting directly from the narrator, the narrator, there,
0: yeah, exactly. And the music in this film by Herman, which is uh, I think I'm right in saying that his last was that his last film, yeah, composed, it's got to be towards the end, definitely. That's right, I think it's the last one. I should have done the research, I apologize, but anyway, um. The the music again. It's the same with all of the best films. The music is part of the, it's, it's a character yeah. in the film. It's about a ticking time bomb. This guy is a ticking time bomb. Yeah. it signifies that you've you got talking the, to me. Yeah, you're talking to me. You're talking to me. I don't see anybody else. <laughs> and it, it's about this. It's kind of jazzy, isn't it? You've got a mm. you've got a 1940s score going on here. As one element. Yeah. It's jazzy did it which doesn't belong to that era at all. Yeah. Harks back to the past, which is a really interesting idea. But then you've also got the guy in the modern era, you know, it's it's contemporary yeah. set um in the seventies. And he's um he's strolling around, he's disenfranchised, he's out of touch, he's alienated from the, the modern culture, and he's seeing prostitutes. You know, crackheads, drug dealers, just general nutters on the street corner. There's a couple of weird scenes with crazy eccentric yeah. musicians, isn't there, with drums and stuff. And he goes to a pawn palace with a girl. <laughs> it's it's to a civil
1: shepherd, isn't it? He's, he takes us Sibyl on a date here. Yeah.
0: Sybil shepherd of moonlight. Then he meets Jodie
1: Foster, who's a. He who was very
0: young when they made this. Yeah, thirteen, I think, wasn't she? Yeah, character. Well, virtually the same thing, anyway. Um, and there's a lot of questionable ethics going on here. This guy clearly is on the edge and he comes into contact with people that could facilitate him taking it a step further. And that whole notion of this is building up to something. Yeah. The music, the only the only film I can think of where the music plays this part in a film is High Noon, where okay. Gary Cooper is is stuck in Westonville somewhere. Yeah. Kelly's the beauty. You know, it looks out of place, actually, far too refined to be in the Wild West. But anyway, there's a countdown, and it's all to do with the showdown moment, which is the whole yeah. ethos of, of the Western. So now we've got effect- effectively almost like a, an anti hero in a modern Western. You've got Robert De Niro's character, a very young Robert De Niro, strutting about, looking disenfranchised, the ticking time bomb he's he's acquiring weapons he's interacting with girls inappropriately yeah wrong age and just he's got this weird sort of slight father figure thing going on with the girl he doesn't really know
1: how to interact with people though does he
0: yeah he's a social outcast and he's got the facility of weaponry and he's got um disenfranchisement and it's building to a conclusion the same way that high noon does i don't think any other film that I can think of does this in the same way. Yeah. Herman playing some old school jazz stuff, but he's also got this edgy 70s under current vibe. to the way the music's played. It's very sassy, lots of saxophone. But uh it's it's absolutely brilliant. It is a character. Oh, it's amazing. It's just superb. Everything about this film is great, and we'll maybe wax more yeah. another time. But in terms of the music, it's um it's a masterpiece. It's one of Herman's best ever works, I think.
1: And considering how you look at his list of other films, he's done some amazing, amazing stuff. We really went in on him
0: when we did the uh, 50 soundtracks, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, he's a genius. He's one of two or three of my favourite film composers, I think. I think Williams has got to be in there. I think N- Nino Rotter actually is in there as well, yeah. particularly one or two works that we might talk about in a minute and um bernard herman is is right up there as well he's he's a master of his craft he was in his his late uh, late ages in terms of uh you know as i said it was his I think yeah. last work um the film was released um you know in the 70s uh 75 i think it was originally um and i'm trying to look for the information i was going to come to yeah it was his final score before his death okay he died in 1975 actually so um the same year um, I don't think he was that well, actually, when now I recall it. I think he was actually already quite ill when he when he yeah. was finishing scoring the film. Um, and he died, yeah, Christmas Eve, 1975, several hours, in fact, after Herman had completed the recording of the soundtrack, and the film is dedicated to his memory, it says here on Wiki. Um, okay. Scorsese, um, he'd obviously had a long-term love affair with old school West... Uh, old yeah. School West. Films and well he's a
1: real cinema file, isn't he? He, he, knows is, history, he, really is. he knows
0: everything. And westerns and film noirs and gangster films in particular. And I think that's why this this kind of sassy jazzy um 1940s style bit of music is part of the soundtrack. It's probably a hark back to that. I don't know if he if he asked Bernard Herman to put something of that ill yeah. or not. I don't know. That's one of the great mysteries. But he was a long-term admirer of Herman and he particularly wanted him to compose this score. Um, So it's obviously a long-term labour of love project. Um, Herman said it apparently was his first and only choice, Scorsese once said, Um, and he considers Herman's score of great importance to the success of the film. Uh, He's quoted as saying it supplied the psychological basis throughout, and I think it's the heartbeat, a literal... Tangible heartbeat and also metaphorical heartbeat to the film. You can fit, as I said, it's a ticking time bomb. You can feel this is a build towards something. And yeah. it's a masterpiece. It's brilliant, brilliant music. It's a brilliant film. um But the music, in the same way that Jaws is com- indelibly linked with uh, the music and the film, are indelibly linked together. The same with this Taxi Driver. If you mention Taxi Driver to me, there's two or three things come into my mind. Uh, well, say four things. Scorsese and De Niro are two of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the other ones is that scene you talked about. You, yeah. You're talking to me,
1: you're talking to me. Picking and yourself all, in the mirror, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the other one's the music because it's that important to the film. It's a fantastic piece of work, fantastic film. Pause the podcast, listen to it if you need to. Yeah. Great stuff, it's great
1: fantastic. stuff. Fantastic. I can't, I echo your sentiments. Didn't make my... Top
0: five um, what? probably possibly <laughs> should have done. Yeah, well, to hearing uh, you said it so well. Yeah, well, it's podcast regrets. It's a new concept we've just invented. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that it was great. now that was my number three, wasn't it? Number
1: think. three. I'm yeah. pretty sure we got the same top two. Uh, whether we got them in the same order, I yes, know, or maybe not.
0: Just pause um, th- for a moment, listeners. What films are you thinking of? Just just have a think for a second. Which films could they be? Could they both? Both films have sequels involved in them, maybe. For example, yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, they might have. So, it. so yeah, for number two, I've gone for the Godfather. Oh, oh, oh. I'm not going to tell you which ones okay. I've in the order. Let's let's just leave it.
1: Leave well, obviously, it the the, the story of Don Vito Corleone, the head of the mafia family, mm-hmm. looking to hand his empire over to his uh, his children. Um, Directed by Francis Ford Coppola and based on a novel by Mario Puzzo. Uh, yep. If you've ever had a chance to watch the TV series The Offer about the making of The Godfather, I thoroughly recommend it. Um, so, um, Nino Rotter did the, uh, did the did the scoring for this. So, Coppola hired him. Um, Rotter previously, as you mentioned before, where he worked with Fellini, he's also worked with Visconti and Zeffirelli. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola got on a plane to... To Rome flew over with a copy of the film the sort of first draft with none of the music written yet, and sort of sat sat down with him and said right what watch the film and create something to kind of fit it. I want something that kind of relates to the to the situations and relates to the characters uh Rotter wrote some new music, and he also Borrowed, I think, is the polite word to put it. Some, some from his previous scores.
0: Yes, uh, I've got something to say about this in a minute, but carry on. I'll, I'll come back to it. In, in a
1: particular, 1958's Fortunella, or Fortunella, sorry, Fortunella. So, mm. Fortunella. So he, yeah, to co- kind of create the Italian feel and uh, evoke the kind of the tragic themes of the film. So. I think, and uh, yeah, Rotter did that. And he, the main theme, again, uh, a lot of the, the music that we've discussed this evening, not so much Taxi but a lot, but Jaws and uh, Close Encounters. You know, When you say the main theme, you think of the, you, you know exactly the piece of music we're talking about. It was uh, based on the uh, opening melody of Jean Sibelius's Symphony Number no. 1, apparently. Yeah.
0: Yes, uh, I've listened to that and it's very similar. It's very similar. If we talk about star wars at any point during this podcast yeah it is a 70s yeah, film. maybe sure I do. john williams borrows quite heavily from miklos russia i didn't have time to look it up and try and find it because i can't remember what it is but you can tell he's listened to that music
1: maybe uh, i've got some notes on that
0: for a later yeah. time okay we'll come to that in a minute <laughs> you can tell with this with this uh, music sibelius's work symphony number no. one He's definitely listened to that. He's definitely been influenced by it. He's scored, as you said, Fortinella, which is um, yeah. a, a a film from, I think, four years ago or four years before or something like that. And it's very distinctly the same music. It's the... Uh, which bit is it? It's the... I think. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the one. There's three, three significant bits of music in the film. I think it's that one. And he's basically reworked it. But yeah. it's one part of a a much grander scale score, which is why I think it's got a worthy part to be at number two for you, Phil. But anyway, anyway, back to you.
1: So yeah, legendary producer, Robert Evans, who, um, in the offer TV show played brilliantly by Matthew good. Um, He's also Robert Evans, he wrote a fantastic book called The Kid Stays in the Picture if you ever get a chance yeah. to read that. It's that Robert Evans, yeah, it's good. Yeah, um well Bob Evans as I think he was in, yeah, the, the, in the industry at yeah. the time. He yeah. he didn't like the soundtrack and he thought it was uh a bit too uh, highbrow. Um and and uh, Coppola had to work really, really hard to kind of convince him that this was the, the right piece of music for the film. And uh, thank God he did.
0: Yeah, and sorry. Okay. No, I am
1: still listening. It's his is history? <laughs> um, it's character specific, so you've got kind of these beautiful visuals that Coppola has kind of brought up on screen, set uh, set to the incredibly um, orchestrated music to sort of fit fit the mood, fit the the ambience, fit the character, and it just elevates all the story you're
0: telling to an, another level. And that's why it's one of the best films ever made. Yeah, this is the thing. The Jaws theme. Um, this, in the end, this is why Jaws fits below films like The Godfather is because it's got multiple motifs. They, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about The Godfather at another occasion. I am very sure in in the future. For me, it's one of the greatest films ever made. The sequel is brilliant as well. I think I um, prefer the sequel. Yeah, the sequel is arguably. Better. It's got
1: Robert De Niro in it.
0: Yeah, and there's some great original scoring in the sequel. And that was the other film that was on my shortlist. I didn't want to mention The Godfather till we got yeah. to the stage, but there's actually some really good original music in The Godfather and that was on my shortlist, but it wasn't as good as this because it's about a 50-50 thing. And obviously if 50% of your score is based on the original film, you can't really put yeah the Godfather 2 in. So The Godfather 1, as you said, multiple motifs and multiple characters. Every single scene, every single detail in this film is perfect every shot is perfect the mise en scene of the shots the framing of the shots um all of the acting all of the writing all of the scoring for the film that we're talking about tonight um everything about it is perfect i don't think it could be any better it's that good yeah. it looks amazing it captures yeah. the mood well, it's a film that's 50 years old now isn't it 50 years oh, old, over, over
1: 50 years yeah
0: I watched it. There's been various releases. There was a fairly recent release at the cinema and I watched, and normally I couldn't see the sequel. I wasn't available to watch it, but I saw the, this original uh, film, 1972. Um, I saw it at the cinema recently as a re-release and I just thought, I watched it and I thought, that's every bit as enjoyable. Every bit yeah. as, as I've ever remembered it. And the music is centre stage. It's not the only thing. But it really yeah. is a character isn't it, well, or several characters it's not
1: background music no. it's front ground music yeah.
0: if there is such a thing yeah, yeah. They, they use two or three traditional bits here and there they've but, but what's what's so good about this is that um he he composes three or four major new pieces within the score, which are iconically brilliant uh, and yeah. superb. They're, even the background bits, like there's the wedding scene, isn't there? Yeah. And there's, um, there's a particular theme for one of the smaller big characters, if that makes sense. And there's one or two other bits in it, which are really good bits of background music. Yeah. I mean, they're just incidentally brilliant as well. And I think when you go into that much detail, that much depth, and you, you look at it and you think, well, everything about this in in so much depth is brilliant. It it's also kind of... Kind of-
1: I mean, the film's set
0: in the 40s, I
1: think, and it just... Yeah. You've got Al Pacino coming oh. back from the Second World War. Yeah, that's right. And so, it really I, has a real kind of 40s feel. Not that I'm an expert, by any chance, but it really feels to me, nostalgically speaking, from someone who wasn't alive then, but it has that real yeah. kind of 40s, looking back on it, nostalgia feel, it just evokes
0: brilliantly. Yeah, I mean, interesting, actually, because we're talking about these films. I mean, Jaws is contemporary, American Graffiti's looking back, um, The Godfather and its sequel are looking back, um American is looking yeah. back, Chinatown yeah. is looking back. There's quite a few films that have got this, you know, reflective element to it yeah. as well. But I do think they're in a peak period here musically, particularly Bernard Homan with his, you know, his noirish forties strains in Taxi Driver as well. And you've got this film, which is obviously set in the past. Yeah. Um, it's it really seems they're at their peak in that kind of music in that kind of era. Seventies looking back at 40s or whatever it might be or thirties, fifties, wherever it might be. Um incredible music. And it just it just really just you you can taste it, can't you? You can taste the film. Um that whole ne- notion of Americana, but also very, very distinctly Italian American Americana. Yeah. That whole particular take on Americanness, which they have scenes going back to Sicily as well, and the music in those scenes is great because it's quite understated, yeah. and it really just very, very subtly just plays with the notion of this is a different world, and it's very Italian, but it sounds very Italian in a different way to the way the main scoring sounds in the film. I just, yeah. think it's, it's a masterpiece. It's incredible music. It's really, really incredible. Um, and Nino Rotta, I think we've already mentioned, is the yeah. is the composer. He's prolific, uh, second only to Morricone in that in that regard. But his greatest works are right up there. Mor, Mor, Morricone, yeah. and that's why we're talking about it at number two, aren't we? Is it number two? Yeah, number two for you, number two for me. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, no, it's... it's brilliant
1: obviously a, a, an album version was released containing 31 minutes of music from the film along with a few additional pieces one piece actually written by coppola
0: so, yes yeah yeah, yeah. um we, we won't delve on the film in the, in the wider sense here because we're talking about music too much but just one thing to mention as well you've got al martino who's a character in the film and he's you know, a singer and he sings this song and he's he's very clearly frank sinatra yeah <laughs> basically that's him the because sinatra was synonymous with the mob it yes. wasn't clear exactly what his role was within that but th- this is depicting a an, a fictional family but with a very real character within that body and that song is actually brilliant as well, which is called Um I Have But One Heart. And it's about this, this it's it's an Italian American crooner number, 40s, 50s, whatever it might be. That kind of that that was a, a another major part of that era. So yes, it's um I think it was um I think it was originally conceived for this film. I think I'm right in saying that. Yeah. You can add that into the equation on the basis of what we talked about with the Bee Gees earlier, I suppose as well, if that's the case but even if you take that out Nino rotter's music is uh, is superb it's just brilliant
1: when i was when i was 16 i went to one of my first big stadium concerts i went to see guns N' roses at wembley everyone was bouncing around all over the place and then slash the guitarist for his little solo piece everyone had been mad the whole way through the gig his little solo piece he got up and he played the theme from the godfather the whole he played it for like oh. all the way through and the whole crowd just went quiet it's just yeah this is brilliant yeah.
0: the only thing is i don't know to what degree it's as famous compared with psycho jaws halloween maybe less so maybe maybe but i think for anyone who's got any proper knowledge yeah, of i think most people recognise it. I yeah,
1: think they yeah. probably would. They probably would. Um, it's not quick. I mean, quite hit the public consciousness. Maybe it's much as some of the other. Those are the ones you just mentioned, but it's the main theme. For example, again, we come back to is it, incredibly famous, but there are other amazing pieces of work. You know, yeah, it, mm. with it all the way yeah. through.
0: One other bit as well, I've got here is um, just on Wikipedia, it was saying um, in October 1971, just a mere two months after I was born, uh, Phil, would you believe? Um, Coppola flew to Rome with a copy of the film to give Rotter to view and create the score accordingly. For the score, Rotter was um, to relate the situations and characters in the film. You really can tell. Yeah, yeah. He did that, can't you? Um, it says Scott Kane of the Atlanta Journal and constitution reacted to Rotter's work with the movie score by saying that regardless of how the movie turned out to quote, it will be worthwhile just for Rotter's contributions. Um, It then goes on to say that Rotter synthesized new music for the film and took some parts from his 1958 Fortunella score in order to create an Italian film and evoke the film's tragic themes. Um, I mean, mean, they mentioned Sibelius and symphony number one as well and wiki one thing i've got to say with fortinello it's very interesting it was nominated for i've never seen it i don't know anything else about it i've not seen the film i checked out the soundtrack on spotify again pause recommend to have a look at this fortinella if you go to the soundtrack of fortinella on spotify or anything equivalent to to that look up um fortinella original soundtrack 1957 and then go to track number five which is called Fortunella a Professore, that will give you some kind of hinted music. You can tell it's the same yeah. theme as the main theme. Then if you if you uh, carry on playing it through, there's two other, I think one of them is called Melodia per Fortunella, and then there's another one that's even more distinctive, where you suddenly think bit by bit, you go, yeah, that's more and more. Like yeah. What happened with the Oscars was, and I I have contempt for the Oscars, I have to say. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Nominated for original score for the Oscars in 1972, or, or, you know, for the next Oscars after. And um, after being nominated, it was then withdrawn because they discovered some of the music had been in Fortinella. It's the main love theme, basically, the Godfather that they're talking about. And and that's those pieces I've I've mentioned on Spotify. So they withdrew it from uh, consideration on the basis that he'd reworked one of the three or four major bits of music. And yes, it's It's very much, I mean, it definitely is the same music, but he's rearranged that bit of music. He's created three or four more bits of absolute genius and several bits of incidental genius as well. It's crazy it was withdrawn. It should have won the Oscar for music because it's one of the greatest soundtracks, one of the greatest scores of all time. So why the hell was it not winning an Oscar? My issue with the Oscars continues. What makes it worse is that two years later, when the sequel came out in 1974, and the sequel is a great soundtrack, as I said as well, with some some really interesting new and um, They allowed the the um, to be entered for consideration two years later. Well, now you've got loads of music that was in a film two years ago, plus the including the original bit that was originally. That's just rubbish. What are they doing? It's crazy, absolutely crazy. But for me, it's one of it's in my top two. I'm not going gonna, gonna to tell you in a minute if it's my number two or my number one, but it's in my top two for this decade. It's probably in my top two or three of all yeah. time. That's how good it is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's 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 top. It's definitely yeah. top ten, maybe even top five for me.
0: Yeah. And if you haven't seen The Godfather or indeed The Godfather 2, what the hell's going on? Stop now. Watch the first film. Watch the second film.
1: Come Don't bother t- about
0: the third. <laughs> Don't bother about the third. It looks the same. But it's not the same. And um, no, the first two are, are works of art, to be honest with you, mm. including the music. It's one of the greatest scores ever. And yeah. it's fantastic work. Yeah. Marv, a very good choice. Marvellous there, Phil. Marvellous. Fantastic. Thank you.
1: <laughs> so what's your number two?
0: Now, this is the bit where I could just jokingly go, yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> I've done it the other way round to you, Phil. Okay. And it was very, 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 very close. But I've got the thing that I think is your number one. We'll find out in the next five to six seconds. It is, of course, Star Wars. A New Hope. Get it right. Yeah. Episode four. Yeah. Episode four. The original Star Yeah,
1: song. I know. Yeah, it's my number one.
0: Yeah. Let me do a bit and then I'll let you do most yeah. of it. I know how much you love this film. Um. I mean, I'm a little bit older than you, but we are essentially of the same generation as yes. far as goes, aren't we? I do remember, I don't know if I saw it at the cinema, or I don't know. Who. I didn't, I saw, I, I saw Empire Strikes Back at the cinema. but Yeah, yeah was my I think, first story I, think was. I might have done. I've seen this film so many times, I could probably just paint every picture if only I had any artistic talent whatsoever. So the, the films are so familiar, um, so much more familiar than... Close encounters and stuff like that yeah. on a different scale. Um, the film is brilliant. I mean, it's what, what it is. Is uh, it's George Lucas with a, a long-term passion project to make the ultimate? He wanted to make Flash Gordon originally. Yeah, he? The and he couldn't B-movie. get
1: the right, so he just wrote his own sort of version of it.
0: Yeah, the ultimate B movie. He used models. He used his past experience, knowledge, enjoyment from classic film. And he came up with something that was a very tightly written, really entertaining film on, on various different levels. But again, again, we've, we've got to twist it to the, to the music side of things. One of the signature reasons this is so good is the music. We can talk yeah. about this film, but one one of the classic scenes, of course, is the opening sequence where you get this, uh, this enormous ship coming into, yeah. kind of close up, coming across, You've got the titles, all the other stuff, and when the music kicks in in this film, that big style proper orchestration—you know, it's a big, it's a it's a proper orchestra. All the brass, all the all the different instruments are just blasting out, and it's just it just arrives, doesn't it? It just it stays. Oh, it's, it's the business, yeah. And the whole film is a lot more orchestration in this film, so it's much more to. Much more towards close encounters type John Williams yeah. stuff than Jaws, John Williams stuff. Yeah, but it's it's not just about that. It's about how it, it's an indelible part of the film all the way through. It's not just a uh, a motif or a theme. It, all the way through the film, it, it's classic cheesy B movie stuff done as well as, as as it's ever been done ever. Oh yeah, I think that's what I that's my impression of Star Wars hugely enjoyable you can't complain about it from the point of view of any of the details yeah it's a bit cheesy in places it, it pushes all the buttons all that stuff you can see the mechanisms at work but it's a, it's a finely tuned uh piece of entertainment and the music is at the heart of that isn't it Definitely. Um, several bits of different music including the love theme there's you know it slows down it speeds up the bit at the end is a bit... that. That's where I think the cheese comes in, the bit at the end with the parade yeah. thing. But, yeah, the medals. Uh, uh, yeah, the medals se- sequence. But other than that, I think it's just, it's just fantastic, isn't it? It's unapologetically entertaining. And the, yeah. the music is the same.
1: I couldn't agree more. I, I love it. Obviously, written and directed by George Lucas. Um, he was looking around for somebody to do the music. Uh his best friend, Steven Spielberg, had just done Jaws with uh, John Williams and said, you should use my guy. He's good. Now, originally, Williams was only hired to consult on music editing choices. Lucas wanted to choose his favourite pieces of classical music to kind of go go on the film. Another one of those what ifs that you were talking about earlier. So, he just yeah, Lucas just wanted to use extant music. So Lucas assembled his favourite pieces of uh, orchestral music and did the soundtrack. And then john williams said no (laughs) um um, if if if, let me do this score it'll be more unique it'll be more unified it'll be more identifiable but some of kind of um, williams um uh, some of the pieces that george lucas chose was kind of influenced what williams wrote so the main theme um, for Star Wars, uh, came from, I think it was really uh, Lucas's original choice in 1942 film King's Row. And the, um, the, uh, track, uh, June Sea of Tattooing, uh, it sort of borrows a little bit from the Bicycle Thieves, uh, piece, yeah, and piece yeah. of music. Hmm. But, uh, it's just, it's just fantastic. You just hear the titles and the piece of music and, you know. Yeah. I
0: mean, still, I mentioned earlier about Miklos Rosha, who's one of the the classic composers from the 40s, 50s, probably goes back to the 30s as well. John Williams, I've listened to a few of Miklos Rosha's stuff. Weirdly early, when I was in Worthing, back in my teen years, I got into hiring stuff out of the library, and I thought, okay, film musicians, that might be interesting. And I listened to stuff, and I remember listening to a piece of music, I wish I could remember what it was, and thinking, hang on a minute, that sounds like Star Wars. And oh, I, okay. I listened to two or three other bits and I thought, yeah, he's clearly influenced by it. That's not to say it's plagiarism, not at all. No. It's completely his own work. But everyone is influenced by what's gone before. The Rolling Stones, anyone that likes them, well, you know, they're all. Yeah, they all came from blues, blues records. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's not. And, and Led Zeppelin the same. And the Beatles, you know, any and you know, you've got Oasis. The Oasis is a great band in terms of entertainment, but they're so heavily influenced by the Beatles. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Yeah. What's important is if you are a film composer in this instance, John Williams, and you're gonna use those influences, you've got to use them really well. And he does. He, he does. So he's it, doesn't
1: He's very skilled in a variety of different types of sort of twentieth century music, although his most um, familiar style is Neo Romanticism, so in the kind of Tchaikovsky or
0: Wagner, he those love those overarching love themes. Yeah, yeah, in Raiders and you get in um, in Star Wars.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, but if you would, you you just get a copy of the album for this, and you look. uh, There's no other album you can do this with, maybe apart from the Godfather. You look at the track titles, and you can see Imperial Attack, Cantina Band, and you just hear it. In your head, do, do, I do, mean, do, how many other soundtracks do, do, can you do, do that, that with? Do, do, you know? yeah. um, one of my favourite favourite shots in film history is made by his music. So there's the bit where um Luke's just on the farm and he's got looks out and he's got the the, the twin sons in front of him and there's yeah. this is like orchestral swell and it's just like that's just that's just amazing
0: it's just then, so well done and obviously yeah you may have seen these on small screens put that on the big screen imagine that with a big swaggering soundtrack and i'm pretty sure i did see this at the cinema because i do remember being impacted we, by it. i
1: saw the um when they re released it in the mid 90s i saw it with you at the
0: cinema ah that's what it is that's what i'm thinking. Yeah. Of, yeah. My God, did we do that? I've forgotten about
1: that. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, in about ninety-seven, was it? They re-released them all before the the, the, pre- the trilogy came film out. Film
0: entwined. We are film entwined, sir. <laughs> yes, there you go. I went. I, I think I watched them all with you. It's brilliant, or at a, least a couple of them. It, the it's it's always own adventure, isn't it? Star Wars, and I think the music re- enhances that in the right way. It's yeah. very easy for them to have got that wrong, to have gone over the top, or to have overly understated it. But they've, they've got well, they got it. They could
1: have done some real military theme or something like that. And it's not exactly. that at all.
0: Yeah. It's more Lawrence of Arabia. You know, it's
1: it's epic but brilliantly done.
0: Yeah, those scenes on Tatooine where he's he's looking out melancholically, uh, those kind of like that, that alien sunset thing, and you've got this kind yeah, of that, love you know, soft strains, the romantic, that the romantic kind of music you're talking about, and he's he's got this cheesy kind of hammy look onto the sunset type of thing it's kind of it's great isn't it it's brilliant because it could so easily have been the the worst version of what george lucas was trying to yeah. do in the movie it could have been the worst version of that but it is the best version it, of that
1: but, i'd say it
0: is probably the most recognizable score in film history probably is it probably is definitely as a, as, as a score as a whole orchestration yeah. 100% music in general probably yeah and I, even my wife who is you know, recognizes it as a as a good B movie. That's the way she described it. And I think she's right.
1: Kurosawa ripoff, yeah.
0: It's the best bet yeah. Exactly, yeah. We, we could even talk about that. We'll save that for another day. Yeah. yeah. But um, what's that? Uh, Hidden Fortress, isn't it? Yeah, ben? I watched that last week. Yeah, uh, Kurosawa. We've got to do Kurosawa. Yeah, definitely. My God, he's good. Anyway, um, but my wife looked at it and and she is Japanese by the way, so she had seen Hidden Fortress I yeah. think before she saw Star Wars, interestingly. Anyway, she said um it's the best B movie you can make because it's it hits all the right notes, um, metaphorically as well as literally. And um she, what what she hates about the film is the overhype. The over infatuation, the 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 levels, the degrees of um, over the top sycophancy about the whole film. She she hates all that. She's okay. got a, a natural. Um, For everybody in my ge, my generation,
1: yeah. it, it's the business.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we grew up with this this film, Phil, and, and I know yeah. there's generations below us, including I know some listeners. Hello, niece and nephew. If you're if you if you're if you're listening to this. Um, Daisy and Freddie I know Daisy in particular my, my niece is a huge fan of it her dad is as well he's yeah. roughly speaking our generation
1: I'm, I've watched all the films since my kids were born we've seen every single Star Wars yeah. film at the cinema and it used to be on it's TV not a great experience in most cases now but <laughs> <laughs> used you, to you go TV, in with hope
0: uh, it used to be on TV a lot as well yeah, it was probably it was a proper bank holiday it was a, yeah, it, bank yeah holiday. it used to be on all the time um, but um, I think it, it really hits all the right notes. And it, it's it's a, an example of the greatest of popular art, I think. Yeah. That's probably the way to describe yeah. it. It's hitting all the obvious notes, but really, really well. And we're talking about the film as well as the music there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, fantastic stuff, yeah. So In that's the a-
1: American Film Institute's uh, rankings of greatest film scores, it is number one. And, and I, can't I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree. No, I could not I think the only, yeah, the only, the only soundtrack that really pushes good to bad and the Ugly maybe, but yeah, oh, oh, oh. maybe that's just me.
0: <laughs> right. So that's my number two. Um, now I'm going to guess your number one might be the same thing we've just been talking about. Just a Yeah, f-
1: my number one, Star Wars.
0: And my, num- my number one is The Godfather. Yeah. Int- oh, so I was right. We had three of the same, yeah. Yeah, the well, ones that I was expecting. Spot on, Phil. And the only reason I picked The Godfather over Star Wars is just because of the greater intricacy and the fact it is almost more integral even than star wars that's the that's the argument for me as to why it was in there you could argue it either way and we could sit down and have eight or nine pints and still be you know arguing the toss for hours and hours i think i'll be on the floor after eight or nine pints these days but yeah (laughs) but both films are uh are are brilliant and both soundtracks are ridiculously good the scores are, are ridiculously good
1: yeah Super. you can't they're, they're, you can't you can't look at a weak link in any of it it's
0: yeah you, I mean, you can't imagine it being any better every time i watch it you you almost want to hear the music more when when you sit down and watch star wars i don't know how, how often you do same with the godfather every well, couple first, of years, yeah, two or you three you years thinking maybe? about the music when you first sit down to watch it because i am in both cases I'm thinking about the opening scenes. And yeah. as soon as you put it on, you hit play. With Star Wars, you know what's coming. You've got that, that scene. You know, you've got yeah, the title. comes up it's just a long shit. time ago in the galaxy, far, going. far away. And then the music hits you and you're yeah. in another world. That, the music is a statement, isn't it? In, yeah. in Star Wars. In The Godfather, it's more understated, but it, goes, it permeates through the film more. But in both cases, when I think of those films, I think as much about the music as I do about the film. And I think that's why those two are at number number one and number two. Fantastic! Yeah,
1: can't disagree.
0: There we go. Well, I, I'm I'm very happy with your picks. I hope you're happy with mine, Phil. Yeah. I Excellent I'm happy. If you're not happy, or even if you are happy, let us know. Film. what is it? Twitter, at Five. Yeah, I've been on my off. Twitter for a while. But yeah. All that stuff. It's on, Facebook, on Facebook as well. Yeah. Just Google it. You'll find us. You'll find us on there. Um, Honourable mentions, Phil. Let's go on to that. So, so I, 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 yeah, so... You, haven't we?
1: I'm, I'm going to do this year by year. So, okay.
0: 1971... Um, of course, oh, hang on. I've, Controversial 1970. Is there nothing in 1970? Nothing on my list for
1: 1970. 1971, I've got yeah. Diamonds Are Forever. I've got to start with a bomb film, John Barry. There's some great bomb music. It, it, I mean, it's easy to laugh and point fun at, fun at it, but it fits, the, it fits the, the film so well and it's so well done. Diamonds Are Forever is a blinding tune. Um, in the same year, we had um, Isaac Hayes' Shaft. Yeah. Another great yeah. tune. Original tunes, yeah. Yeah. Uh moving forward into nineteen seventy-two, in a similar vein, we had Curtis Mayfield doing Superfly.
0: Yes, that's a good shout as well. Uh Again, same year, same year. The music here, but yeah, same same
1: year, we briefly mentioned it uh, a few months ago on our Kubrick when we had the Clockwork Orange, the uh, the sort of synths and Beethoven. Uh nineteen seventy-three, uh as well as American Graffiti, we've another film we've spoken about, The Sting, with the Scott Joplin piano pieces, the oh, yeah, time yeah. pieces. They were great. 1974, uh, we, you've already mentioned it, Jerry Goldsmith and Chinatown. Not really to my taste, but it fits the vibe and the and the feel of the film. Um, 1975, as well as Jaws, I can't not mention the Rocky Horror Picture Show richard O'Brien's songs <laughs> yeah you have
0: to really i mean you know if, I'm I pick, if i'm gonna pick a musical
1: yeah. for the decade that's probably the best one
0: i i didn't think about that one i have to say having done so fair play to them i mean that's original music for for the film it, it should be right out there and also can i just say as we're coming towards christmas you've got the triffid based john lewis advert that's clearly rocky horror infused oh, yeah, i've seen that yet. Yeah have oh, you not seen it? Anyone listening to this, if you've not seen it already, look out for the John Lewis Christmas advert. Bit of a change of theme. Okay. Simple shooting, um, but it's got Triffids in it.
1: I read the day of Triffids last Christmas, actually. It's brilliant. Absolutely Great, brilliant. It? It's really good. I love a bit of John Wyndham. Um, 1976, as well as Taxi Driver, we had uh, the iconic Rocky by Bill Conti.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we've got the, you've got the main theme as the very overarching element there. As soon as you
1: hear it, you just want to get out and start shadow boxing, don't you?
0: It's very American, isn't it? As well, yeah, but it fits it fits everything so well. It's great. It's very good. It's very good. Yeah,
1: yeah. Moving forward to seventy seven, we mentioned Star Wars. We mentioned Saturday Night Fever. There is also Suspiria, number the music done by Goblin, the Dario Argento horror film. It's a strange film, but but interesting. It was remade a couple of years ago, and the remake wasn't that bad. Nineteen seventy-eight. We um, is a, as well as Close Encounters. There was
0: another blinding John Williams score for Superman. Yes, yeah, of course, Superman. Again, the theme itself is iconic, isn't it? It's one of the themes. It's yeah. one of the themes, and, Gold- and, and and it's
1: brilliant, and it fits fits the music. Fantastically well.
0: George Smith's a master of sci-fi in that sense, isn't he? If if you take Williams yeah. out, just, uh,
1: yeah. just, as soon as you
0: mentioned, I just. I never warmed to the Superman film. Oh, I know I'm not, I'm not. big on comic. But comic I, did
1: like, films, I did like. I did like the music. Yeah. Mm. Um, also, in 1978, interesting, interesting film, interesting so- soundtrack, Midnight Express.
0: Mm. Ruling film as well <laughs> yeah, it's, it good. Is. it's good good soundtrack l-
1: lastly on 1979 alongside um halloween i've got a uh, a few other a few other ones uh one was only really one but one was a deer hunter i thought maybe yeah. for, for the classical like black cantina piece. or whatever yeah, it's called that's beautiful absolutely mm. beautiful um jerry goldsmith score for alien which yeah could quite easily my top 10 and lastly i can't being a Britonian, I can't not
0: mention Quadrophenia. Yes, of course. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've got a few to add to that. There's, um, there's a, there's a few others that are iconic. I mean, there's, there's the eagle has landed. I don't think there's anything particularly oh, famous yeah. in terms of the music. A great film, some good scoring, nothing special. You've great got Bridge to Fire, which has got a very. Oh yeah. It's a weird soundtrack because it's um. It's quite romantic, considering it's a war film. It's a real military film, yeah. Quite quite a few romantic kind of un- underlays to that that score. And there's one bit I can't recall it to mind right now. There's a bit you'll know. You'll you'll go, oh, that's that. Yeah, yeah. But then you'll go, really? Was that a bridge too far? I thought that was some cheesy seventies romantic song. And it's it's that. Speaking of cheesy 70s stuff, love story, of course when will yeah. i've never yeah. got into woody allen like so um, so yeah well. not not for me it's iconic but it's not not for me the shining there was some interesting bits of oh yeah uh, background scoring on that one the omen yeah. i think some of it wasn't original but it's there's some interesting film. great film yeah. and speaking of horror films of the 70s the exorcist of course yeah. you might be wondering hang on why haven't you mentioned the exorcist well for me Tubular Bells was already a pre-existing score. Which yeah, excluded. I'm assuming the same thing.
1: If it song. if it's if it's brilliantly,
0: Don't oh, get it's me brilliant. Wrong. It's yeah. brilliant. Perfect music. It just isn't original score for the music. Um, it's a great yeah, it's a great score. It's really really good. And actually, the score that's in the film, beyond that, is yeah. good. It's a good solid bit of composition, but it's not. It's not on the same scale as the other stuff, but *Tubular Bells* itself, you have to say, is just fantastic. Oh, it is, yeah. Well,
1: I, 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 I'm slightly I'm not a big fan of *The Exorcist*. I think it's quite overrated, and that which means I've always always got some kind of negative bias against anything what? associated with it.
0: <laughs> We've got to talk. It's about It's not that. as
1: good as everybody
0: says it is, really, is it? Oh, well, I mean, Mark Cuomo does overstate... I know a he goes bit, on about that. Admittedly, but if you take that out of the equation... I would have the omen over The Exorcist every day of the week. My God, 70s so horror. So much better. 70s
1: horror film. And I'd have The Wicker Man over it as well. Yeah. We're <laughs> going to have a conversation on We're going to have to do 70s one. horror at some point, yeah. Or, or we're going to we'll save so that argument by for years
0: thing. at this rate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... Borsellino, another, I think it's, it's a Fellini, I can't remember now, that was a good soundtrack. The Wild Geese, not bad. Oh, yeah. David Shire earlier doing the the incidental music for uh, Jaws. Uh, he he composed for The Conversation, which is an interesting film as well. Uh, film. I mean, there's again, not an awful yeah. lot of music in that, is there? But it's very yeah, subtle, it's quite quite good what they do with that. Great film, really yeah. good film. Um, Roy Budd, I can't remember, there's one film I, I was going to mention, I can't remember what it was, which he did in the 70s, which is a classic, and I can't believe I can't remember what it is. But he also did Get Carter, Oh, yeah, what a film. Again, a very good theme tune. There's not much else going on. So you got down, yeah. down. That one, you know, you know the tune. Um, but that's it, basically. That That's all there is to it. Oh, okay. So good good tune, good film, yeah. but not quite on the top five. Chinatown we've already mentioned. I don't think we need to say any more about that. Um Return of the Jedi was eighty, wasn't it? Eighty three. Eighty-three. Not not no, sorry, I'm thinking of um sorry, The Empire Strikes Back is 80, eighty, yeah. Eighty. So that's out of the equation. Chinatown we've mentioned, and I think that covers all the ones I wanted to mention as honorable mentions, apart from a bit more about The Godfather 2. I think I mentioned it earlier, but yeah. some really good, interesting original orchestrations. They do a couple, I think two or three good original Italian themed old school, you know, the yeah. old country type themes. One or two reworkings of the original uh, compositions and a couple of new original scores, which are quite, yeah. it's very. It's a very good soundtrack. It's in my shortlist, but it didn't quite make it. Uh, and that's it for me. Phil, have you got any more?
1: No, I've done, I've done my list, but I think we've, uh, yeah, we've gone through the best that the 70s has to offer.
0: Magnificent. So in the new year, we're going to be talking about our films of 2023. That's coming up in the future. But yes. the next one, which will be in between now and then. I can't believe is- we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> it's taking, what is it, three years, is it? Two, three yeah, years? Yeah, yeah. We're finally getting around to doing the obvious subject at this time of year as we approach Christmas. It is films to do with Christmas. Yippee-ki-yay!
1: Mother something (laughs) or other.
0: Now, okay, so criteria-wise, for listeners that already want to get there. Now, I have a machine gun. I can't do Alan Rickman very well, sorry. No, no, I've got to say, I can confirm that, folks. not <laughs> look any better than it sounded. Um, now, joking aside, though, um, Christmas films, we're going to have our own interpretations of what those are. Yeah, if
1: we say it's a Christmas film, it's a Christmas film. As no, far as our how podcast, it, sir, link.
0: But if you want to give your opinions on your top fives, including whether you agree with us on what the criteria is or not, that's absolutely fine throw them in throw them in they might need to have 60 minutes of christmas specific conversation in the film i don't know or they might just need to have it needs to be set at christmas yeah whatever every shane black film ever yeah put in touch let us know also let us know what your 70s scores are as well of course um yeah Contact us on at Film Fives, at Film Fives 1, I think it is. Yeah, on, on
1: X Facebook, or Twitter
0: or whatever it's called, yeah. X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Film Fives on, on Facebook, yeah. Absolutely. And um Phil, Thank you for listening. Time, Christmas Films is next. Yeah. Are you feeling festive?
1: <laughs> I will be once i sat through about 30 Christmas Films,
0: yeah. <laughs> From It's a Wonderful Life to The Grinch. I can get, tell you there's going to
1: be no Love Actually. I think that, and I hate that film more than any other film. And i just seen.
0: put on record at this stage as well, there's absolutely no way, no That's way at all. never going to be made I can't stand <laughs> it. I hate it. I, I don't think I hate a film more, with the possible exception of Titanic, than Love Just really quickly before we break off, in particular, why do you hate it? I'm, I'm curious to know. I don't think it's so much love, actually, as anything
1: Richard Curtis has ever done that isn't Blackadder. Everything yeah. he's done, I despise with a passion. Hmm. It, it's the American view of what English people are thing. I can't, I can't be doing with that. This all started with Four Weddings,
0: but did, do yeah. you include Four Weddings? In I or... hate
1: Four Weddings. I hate Notting Hill. I hate love actually. I watched the Beatles one, the Help, was it? I hated yeah. that and I now will not watch anything that he's put his name to. <laughs> it just makes me angry.
0: No, don't don't hold back, <laughs> And <laughs> if you like it,
1: good for you. I'm very, very happy for you, but you're wrong.
0: I do I do, like Paul I do like four winnings. I do like four winnings, but I think what happened with that film was it hit a few nerves and there was a reaction that was that was gauged, understood, and reacted to. And everything that that involved is what you hate, and it's what I hate as well. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed Four Weddings, but I hated what it spawned. That's probably the way to describe it for me. Um, and I love Blackadder as well, by the way, just just for... Yeah, oh, I
1: love Blackadder.
0: But I think you're right. I think um, Christmas films don't have to be deliberately sentimental, emotional, no. or even Christmassy. Yeah. <laughs> Die hard. <clears throat> Anyway, yeah, yeah, so get thinking, folks, and let us know. Let us know your your, your 70s favourites as well. We're still looking for feedback. We'll read them out at the beginning of the next episode if there is any correspondence along those lines. If not, in the meantime, and there, there besides, let us know what your favourite Christmas films of all time are, whether it's It's a Wonderful Life or Die Hard or that crazy Finnish film, a horror film, I can't remember what it's called. Um, oh, Rare Exports rare exports that's the one yeah yeah anything you like anything that's tenuously christmas we can call it we can call it can't we yeah yeah uh, definitely you might have our own criteria we'll talk about that later but until next time phil it's been a pleasure sir cheers thank to you very part, much part of red wine in a crystal glass very classy of me and um and enjoy your sours phil and until next time that's it for now so cut